Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was, bo- was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Um, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the ruler of Judah. For out you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod called the Magi, Magi, secretly and found them from the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming of the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and then bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This This is is the the word word of the the Lord. Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much for reading that. Um, Children, uh, you can stay and listen to my sermon if you want to. (laughs) Or you can, you're dismissed to go with your really cool teachers that like you. It's actually, the sound of their little feet running out of here is one of my favorite sounds of, the, of, our, of our new building. Well, we're starting a new series, um, and it's called The, the, the Gifts of Jesus. Um, we're going to be looking at the Christmas story through the gift of the Magi. Now, years ago, there was a movie that came out, The Sixth Sense, right? Um, I remember watching this movie and having probably the first time I ever watched a movie in a theater where I had this experience where, um, spoiler alert, if you haven't known this in the last 23 years, (laughs) the main character is actually dead the whole movie. And when it finally is revealed at the end of the movie, you do this rewind in your head of all the events beforehand. Wait, 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 wait. And in fact, I went and watched it a second time because then the movie plays out a little bit differently. One of my favorite comedians talking about this, he said, as a guy, it made more sense to him that his wife would stop talking to him for a year than he would be actually deceased, right? He says, that actually made more sense. So it's easy for me as a man to go, oh yeah, no, I've had that. I've, I've been to dinner with my wife and her not say anything to me. This is a common experience, right? 
So the reason why I bring that story up is not because the sixth sense is at all a Christmas story, okay? I'm not saying we should show this. But there's often times that at the end of a biblical narrative, there is a capstone that we understand things much more clearer when God does things at the end and you go back and you go, oh, all the little pieces then are amplified. We understand the story. The gift of the Magi coming is the last part of the Christmas story. And it emphasizes with an explanation point what the Christmas story is about. And so uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about the gift of gold, the first story. And there's something else that happens as we enter into our Christmas season. It's, re- it's so easy to what one of my friends, Michael, calls to have Christmas drift. We're familiar with the story. We're familiar with the songs. They speak to us sometimes more, more about uh, a beautiful nostalgia that we love in our lives. And it's easy to then take the Christmas story and put it in a place of kind of like personal affection rather than the depth of what the meaning of this is to us. And so as we go through the story, it's almost like we need to, uh, as as we visit this this story over the next few weeks, um, it's really important for us to force this drift into what is the significance of Jesus coming in our lives. What did it really mean? Let me pray as we uh, get going this morning. Father, we, we thank you for this season. And I ask, Father, that you would impress upon our hearts through your Holy Spirit uh, the significance of, of, this, uh, of this story in our lives. Father, that we wouldn't hold on to it uh, merely out of, um, out of great tradition, but it would speak to the things that we're going through now. Thank you that you entered the world. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we ask, Father, that we in return um, would give you all of who we are. And we ask this, Father, in your son's name. Amen. So we have, um, we have three gifts that the Magi bring. And uh, this morning, I want to talk about the gift of gold. Now, this is actually, um, other pastors are going to be talking about frankincense and myrrh. Gold is by far the easiest gift to talk about. Um, Because it still means what it means to us. And so we'll be talking about that. But first, uh, first, let's talk a little bit about context. Who are the Magi, right? So first that we see in the story that was read by the Fongs, we see that we have a royal visit. It's the end. So who are the Magi? Now you've heard this, right? So most, most importantly, they were Gentiles. Most, most likely from Persia. It doesn't say. It just says from the east. And the other thing, we have this lore in, in our, that there were three of them. It doesn't say there were three of them. We know there were three gifts, so we just assigned different people to each gift. But it says they were magi. Now, magi were, this was very common. We see this other places in scripture. In the ancient Middle East world, the magi were trusted advisors to kings, 
They were learned men, proficient in knowledge, mathematical um, calculations, astronomy, medicine, um, astrology, dream interpretation. And actually, in places, in some places, uh, they were practitioners of magic and, and paranormal arts. We see this in the book of Daniel. Right? The king has a dream, and none of his magi can interpret it. We see this with Joseph. None of the king's advisors. So these advisors were the, the most important people outside of the, outside of the king to the country. And so we know they came from, we know that they came from the Middle East. And it causes me to ask two questions. We like the story, but let's go into it just a little bit. What must these people have seen to travel all the way to Israel for this event? What must have they seen to do this? Now, back, back in the day, um, we do know that almost all of the calendar were set on stars, were set on what was happening in the cosmos. They were always looking up, they were studying them, they were superstitious sometimes about them. But this is why even Easter, like why can't we just have Easter the second week in April? Because Easter is based on the lunar calendar. And almost everything in their world was based on these. So they were always looking to the stars. Full moons meant something different to them. This were their festivals. This is most of the world until we kind of came in and made it boring and we stopped looking up. But for the most part, they were always looking to the stars. They saw something in the stars that moved them to go to Israel. What sort of significant event must have they seen? Now, there's a lot of theories. We won't go into the theories because they kind of bring us off track. But they saw something that was that was so amazing. Well, how would, they, how would they tie it to Israel? Well, if we go back through the Old Testament, we also know that at different times in the Old Testament, that people like Daniel were taken into captivity. The Assyrians came in, the Babylonians came in, and they took the Jewish people away. And that is seemingly bad, but here's what else happens. The Jewish faith and scriptures went with them. And so hundreds and hundreds of years later, these learned men still know the scriptures. We also don't know what other stories went with them. But somehow, these, these advisors in Persia saw the star and connected it to one of the stories they had heard around Israel. God is always orchestrating things. No one, nothing in scripture tells us anything. God is always at work. Sometimes we think, oh, it's, he's just working here. God had, for Jesus' birth, he had orchestrated everything that they would understand the story. How did they make this trip? Why? They saw something significant and they understood the stories of Israel. And then it says when they arrived, what the story is, they go right to King Herod. So this, this isn't like, oh, this was probably just a myth. Probably somebody just added this on. No, the people that first heard the story 
They said, yes, these men came. And what would men, what would the most important people from one of the most powerful countries on earth, what would they do? They would go right to the king and have an audience with them, which he did. Imagine, imagine if you're King Herod, how troubling must it have been for King Herod and his advisors that the Magi shows up knowing more about Jewish history than you did, right underneath your noses. I was thinking about this. It would be like somebody showing up to your house to give you, you know, you and if you're married, you and your wife, we made a dessert for your anniversary. And you and your wife look and go, oh my gosh, it's our anniversary. Like they are more in tune with it than you are. And that's why it says everybody was troubled. Like the king of Israel, what? These learned men in other country had studied and known was on their radar. What was to happen? Somehow the people that had left and brought with them had told stories about the Messiah And there was enough evidence that it caused some of the most powerful people in the world to make this trip. But this is what Isaiah says. And through Isaiah, Isaiah has a lot of prophecy in it. And in Isaiah, uh, there's all these little places where Isaiah says things and they're spot on prophetic. This is what it says in Isaiah 60, chapter 6. And all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense to proclaim the praise of the Lord. Whoa. Where'd that come from? There's all these little, little expressions like that. So now I know all the, the other pastors that'll preach will probably also talk about the Magi, the Magi, but I wanted to give just kind of a general understanding of who they were and what this meant and why Herod said, oh, let them know why Herod was troubled. And then why Herod um, did the things after that to kill all the children to and under after he had found this out, because he didn't want any threat to his power. So not only do we have this royal visit, and the royal visit says something. We see the royal visit from these men, it, it, um, it gives credibility to the claims that who Jesus is. Who is this Jesus? Who is he? He's a, he's a, he's a poor family that lives in a small town and royalty shows up. Some of the most important people in the world show up for his birth. So not only do we have this royal visit, we also have a royal gift, right? So they bring gold. And so I say it's easiest to talk about this gift because gold is still relevant. Just this week, um, I had a plumbing emergency uh, that I, uh, I was able to fix, and um, it, I made it a lot harder than it had to be. But, but what happened was, uh, to me, as I was, I'm wearing my wedding ring, and um, I actually have two wedding rings. I have the original one, right, 1.0, that, um, that I bought when um, my wife and I got married. And uh, I don't know if this even fits on my finger anymore. And then um, I got this one uh, when we were, um, my wife, uh, Pam picked it out when we were in Hawaii. So I had this one for a number of years. And uh, I know some of you in the church, had kind of, it's kind of a, a wood inlay ring. Well, I got, I got this plumbing um, uh, uh, sealant on it. 
And if you know anything about plumbing sealant, it's really effective and it's, it's not water soluble. And I got it on there and I cleaned it and cleaned it and it would not come off. And then I started thinking, what am I going to put, the, what am I going to put my ring in to get this off of? And I realized that I couldn't do the dumb guy things that I wanted to do. I'm like, well, I got a bunch of gasoline out in the garage. I could just soak it, right? I'm like, wait a minute, that will ruin the ring. And I thought, my gold ring, because it's a precious metal, I could pretty much do anything to this. And it just comes out, right? It's a soft metal, but there's hardly anything, any solvent you could put on this that would, there's very few solvents that would change anything. And so it literally took me a week. I had to get a jewelry cleaner, it's whole thing. But um, I finally got it. So, so why gold? Because even today we understand that gold is a precious commodity. It's a precious metal. And back, back in this day, gold was a sign of royalty. Kings, royal officials, they had gold. Most of the people didn't. And we see this throughout the New Testament. It was always used for the highest purpose, right? When God makes the Ark of the Covenant, what is it covered in? It's covered in gold. When the children of Israel go to the desert and they say, we want an image of God. Aaron disobeys them, and they make what? The golden calf. God, gold and, and, and deity are connected together. People give all their small, you know, all, the, all, their, all, all their pieces of gold to make this. So when they're giving Jesus gold, they're, all, they're, they're signifying that Jesus is royalty. It also has a second purpose, which we still use today. It's, it's currency. It's so valuable that it, it still is currency. And this will be a challenge because we, we know that like right now, I mean, even, even right now, when things go bad, when we have a pullback economically, every, when, you know, when, when cash is king and valuations go to zero, people go to gold. People still hold it. So this is why it's easy for us to go, yes, we know that Right, that we still hold, we still hold, we still hold that. Nobody, I've had not heard anybody say anything. I'm going to make it harder for my, for the other pastors. No one says, well, talk about your portfolio. Well, mainly I got stocks and bonds. I got this, I got that. I dabbled in some cryptocurrency, and um, you know, I got a backlog of frankincense and myrrh. Like, oh yeah, that's really good. But we will hold gold or, 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 or things connected, connected to to gold. Because it still has that value. Even back in the day, it, has, it, had that, it had that currency value. And we also know that immediately after, the, after these, um, uh, the Magi come, they, uh, Joseph takes Jesus and they escape to Egypt. And so there is a very practical sense. There's a royalty sense of this gift, but there's a practical sense of it. Because the practical sense is they're going to need some currency to go away for just a little bit of time to escape the wrath of this king. This other thing that happens, and it's, it's the next story right after the verses that the Fongs read. Right after it says they escape and go down to Egypt and then come back. Um, Every, almost every story that Jesus tells, he's reliving the stories of Israel. Feeding of the 5,000, right? Feeding of the children of, in, in the wilderness. 
right? Almost everything he does is parallel. Coming out of, right? So he goes down to Egypt to come out. Why? Because Jesus is still reliving in the rightful way. He's redeeming every part of Israel's story. And so him going down there and this happening was purposeful. And God provides um, for him. Gold declares that Jesus is the king that the Magi come to honor. And by doing this, it ties together all the other stories and prophecies about Jesus' birth. From the angels that come and announce to the shepherds. Yeah, shepherds talking about that. Yeah, those guys are crazy. Those guys are out in the field. They get lonely out there, right? It's one thing for shepherds to say. It's another thing for, for people of high honor to say it. To the birth of John the Baptist, the journey Joseph and Mary take to Bethlehem because that is the city of David that Jesus needs to be in. To Simeon and the temple at Jesus' consecration. All of those things, all of a sudden, they all, it all makes sense when the Magi come and you tie them all together and we say, this is no ordinary birth. The gift of gold declares Jesus' royalty. He is not just an ordinary man come to earth. And not only we have the royal visit, we have a royal gift, but we also have this royal announcement. You know, ever, ever had this, ever been someplace and people ask you this question? If you could invite three people from history to dinner, who would you invite? It's, it's not a good question. It seems like it'd be a good question. Because every time someone asks that question, I think, oh, would you invite, you know, three great philosophers? Would you invite three of your favorite, you know, you know athletes? Would you, uh, would you invite three for me, like, you know, great theologians, Augustinian and Calvin and make them duke it, right? But all I know is that as soon as I invited those three people, they would look around the table, figure out who each other were, and then look at me and go, no, what are you doing here? And I'd be like... And they would dismiss me, so it would never really happen, right? But every time we have that question, who would, yeah, like, who would you, yeah, who would you invite, yeah, to, to history? So I always think it's a flawed question. But in that, it does bring up the question. In, in, Chris, uh, in Christmas, we have the most influential person who's ever lived on the face of the earth coming into the world, and it's no ordinary birth. And by the Magi coming, it puts it on everybody's radar. And especially to those people that were closest around Jesus. We don't have these origin stories for other great philosophers. We don't have them for other great leaders. And it's not to say that any of those people, right? Those influential people are, are less than. But there's something different happening with the birth of Jesus. The Magi is setting the significance of Jesus' birth front and center. The gold is declaring again that this is a royal birth. This is what we have in, in um, like, and, and Jesus weaves this, this is woven into each of the stories. Let me read from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 33. A story about, about Mary. In the six months of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a small town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, 
a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. We sometimes concentrate on he will save the people, and he did, and we love that. That's a great part of the story, that we got to hold on to that. But remember, every time Scripture says something once, it's meaningful. Twice, emphasis. Three times, like, put on your safety belts, right? He will give him the throne of his father, David. His reign will never end over, his, over the sins forever, and his kingdom will never end. And this is also said um, in, in the book of Daniel. As Daniel uh, prophesied the, the same thing. Daniel chapter 7 says, In my vision at night, I looked there before me was like one, uh, was one like the son of man coming with the clouds from heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people and every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Again, it's easy to think of Jesus as a, as a friend, and he is a friend. It's easy to think of Jesus as the one who sits at the right hand of the Father and is our advocate, and he does that. But there's this other place within the Christmas story in our hearts that we have to think of him as the king with dominion. He has authority. Right? When Jesus was on earth, I want you to remember, People were amazed at him because his teaching had authority. He actually, he spoke from who he was. The last thing that Jesus says before he leaves earth is he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go make disciples of all nations. The beautiful thing about Jesus' coming is that he has all authority in heaven and earth. This is the one we belong to. So there's this affection we have for our king, but there also is this humility and humble. This is the, Jesus is the king. He has all authority. There's nothing we can't ask him. And if he says jump, we say how high. If he says don't do this, we go, you know what you're talking about. If we make, if Jesus just becomes a friend, our faith is just a friend to comfort us, then Jesus' words has no authority. But when Jesus is the king and his words have authority, then they actually have the, they, have the, the, they actually start to guide us. They actually, they actually have something to say into our lives. One of the hobbies that I have, like coming to Christmas, say, what do you want? Uh, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I hope this 
doesn't leave me viewing less in people's eyes is I collect, I have a passion for cologne, for smell. I know, you're like, really, you? I'm like, yeah. So much so that my collection got to a place where I was praying one day and God said, that's enough. And I go, but you know, it's just, because when you start collecting things, you, you know, it's like, well, I want one in each color, right? And it's like, you know, six-year-old Eric loves to collect things. And um, there's, there's a lot of different colognes, and I could take you through, like, with, there's a lot of different colognes that are good, that I love, that I like. I, it's like, you have enough. You can't use what you have for the rest of your life. And don't put them on that heavy, okay? It's enough. <laughs> So one of the ones that's kind of a standard bearer is, can you bring, it, uh, bring up the, the, the is, is Adventus by Creed. So this is one of the standards. How do you know it's a standard? Some people don't like it, but this is one. The Creed house out of Florida, like everything they do. Like they have one, Silver Mountain Water is my favorite. I'm never going to buy it for that price point. So how do you know this is one of the best colognes? Uh, is that... Some people like it. Some people don't. People, the critics, like, ah, it's, but everything is compared to it. There's a handful. Like, it's like Adventist only with a blah, blah, right? But if you read, this is, at Nor- this is on Nordstrom sites. It's a sophisticated, woody, and pretty fragrance blend for an individual who savors a life well-lived. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and right now, it's on sale for $420 for three. Now, you can get the 1.7 for $300, right? But for the three point, for the 100 milliliter. So would you buy that? Well, here's it. But it's the real thing. So what you do is actually, it's so popular that there are clones of it. So Armoff is one of the houses. They make a knockoff. This knockoff is so good that people go, just buy the knockoff. Why spend $400 when you can spend, guess how much? $26. And it smells just like it. Ah, oh, it's good. It's just like it. It's beautiful. During communion, I will give you... Hey, hold on. Okay. Okay. Let's... So, you say, Eric, what are you talking about? Nothing to do with gold. Um, I say that because God gives us in Jesus this unbelievable precious gift. And the Magi put an explanation point on who Jesus is. And it leads us to this very important question. And the question is this, if God gives us this gift, what gift do you bring him? And sometimes I realize this in my life. I I just bring him the the $26 knockoff. Because you know, $420 is a lot to spend on a cologne. It's really easy. And in fact, none of you could probably tell the difference in the different smell. But the ones who know, they, 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 could, they'll fig- they can figure it out. The people, their people, it's crazy how they know. What do you bring, Jesus? Are you bringing him the best? He has brought you the best. He's done everything to bring us at Christmas this story And so when it comes to our careers, when it comes to our families, when it comes to the physical treasures that we have, 
do we say, God, I'll give you my little piece of it. I don't know if I want to go deep into it. God goes, no. What gift do you bring to Jesus this season? And that's really the test. You want to know where your faith is? It's what, what do you bring Jesus out of your life? What gift do you give back to him out of response, out of gratefulness? Do you give him your love life, your marriage? Do you give him your children, the things that are most important to you? What do you give him? The comfort is everything we give him, everything that we give him is worth is worthy. It frees us from it, and it gives us an affection that nothing, we knock down, we give him everything, nothing, we want nothing to stand in the way. I don't feel like God is close to me. Okay, so what's in the way? What haven't you given him? And so this season, we have an opportunity to give Jesus out of our best. And this is 